0: like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo.
1: The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end.
2: Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened?
0: But in the end... It's only a passing thing. The shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new
2: day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you.
1: That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why.
2: But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back only they didn't
1: they kept going because they were holding on to something
0: what are we holding on to sam
1: There's some good in this world, Mr. Ferrell,
0: and it's worth fighting for.
1: Great stories. We love them, don't we? Uh, I love the statement in there about... um, That idea of there being this darkness and this chaos and, like, what better way to describe 2020, right? Um, And lots of chances for folk to turn back. But uh, there were groups of people that just kept pushing forward, kept going ahead, being faithful in small ways, but uh, staying at the mission. And uh, and then I like that last statement, uh, Jeff, about... Um, what are we hanging on to and that there's good in this world and certainly we never look to ourselves and go we're something good but that good is the church indwelt by the Holy Spirit working out the mission of God. So this morning we are going to remember and celebrate 20 years of the story of Fellowship Bible Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So glad that you're here.
0: Yeah, I thought about the video, and I just thought, there's something worth holding on to, and it's it's God. It's the God of the gospel. Uh, it's the mission of God that he brings. Uh, Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I got hormone <laughs> problems. <laughs> I cannot believe oh, <laughs> the first I mean, minute. We're just like two minutes in <laughs> Okay. <here>. <laughs> <laughs> I was in tears singing. I said, I'm going to get it all out. I'm going to be good. Yeah, yeah there's something wrong with me, more than I'm aware of, okay, there's something worth holding on to. And I, I think what teared me up is just the gospel is great news mm-hmm. for those that know they're great sinners. Yeah. So without that, I'm not sure this world has much good in it. No, it, it doesn't. So, in light of that, (laughs) I want to welcome you to Fellowship Bible Church, and if you are new with us this morning, uh, I hope this morning turns out to be an incredible delight for you, that you would say, we don't do this typically we don't every every Sunday tell the Not twenty, every 20 year, years. Or so. Yeah, to everybody every twenty years. So <laughs> this is the first time we've actually ever done this. So uh, it's a delight to tell our twenty-year story to you. You'll get to hear a little bit about all that's going on. Uh, for those of us, for those of you who've been on the journey with us for for the majority of the years, we've been a church. Uh, you'll you'll be familiar with a lot that we talk about this morning, so you'll get a chance to reminisce. For those of you who are newer to this journey, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, uh, there's some of this you won't know, and so you'll learn uh, some new things. So, in light of that, Monty, tell us how this thing we know today, uh, Fellowship Bible Church, got started. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every story has a beginning, and uh, so in the year two thousand. The Waldron family made their way to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There's our kids, seven years. Blake was seven and Grant was two. So uh, they were some little folks. And didn't know anybody here, but came to Murfreesboro really by invitation. I had some dear friends that I uh, worked with in Little Rock, Arkansas, as part of uh, Family Life, and they had started a fellowship Bible church in uh, 97, And I graduated seminary in 2000. I was looking for a place where our family could go to start another fellowship Bible church, and they told us about this little town called Murfreesboro. I I didn't even know it existed, Uh, but we came, visited, and prayed, and uh, it it honestly felt like home. And so we moved here again, not knowing anybody, but excited about the possibility of adding to the community of faith uh, that was already here in Murfreesboro. So we officially launched Fellowship Bible Church October 5th of 2000, and uh, we got underway, and, and our first assignment was just to meet people. So we just literally would do life. Uh, so, you,
0: so you came here and knew no one? Yeah, Like absolutely. Abraham. You were Abraham. Oh, I, I don't want to put that myself man. in that. I'm just... I'm good with that. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, honestly,
1: one of the first people I met was a guy named Keith Martin. I'm sure he'll be here this morning at some point, but I, I wrote in my journal, this guy's so energetic and excited. like he is ready to go. So it gave me hope that we could actually have a church here. So uh, the first the first time we finally said, I think there's going to be a church here was in the Martins home with a core group of people that we literally had just met months earlier. We all sat in a circle and we said, all right, we're going to go for it. Um, we would drive over to Franklin, Franklin High School to worship with Fellowship over there, Fellowship Nashville, and uh, in the mornings. And then we would drive back over here. And then in the evenings, we would gather at the Boys and Girls Club. Here's a shot of a worship gathering. There's Nicole Henderson right there in the middle. And so we would worship together and just talk about this This thing that didn't exist yet, but Fellowship Bible Church, what was it going to be like? How were we going to do church together as a part of this community of faith? Um, So we did that until the fall of uh, 2002, and uh, I'm sorry, 2001, and uh, a little daycare opened up where we could have our first public worship gathering. It was called the Kids Connection. Here it is. It's (laughs) actually an old Presbyterian church building. Another church plant had been in it. I happened to connect with a guy named Kevin Minchie. He was the pastor, and uh, they handed it off to us. So we were there for uh, about a year. And then in the fall of 2002, Blackman Middle School was just being built. And I'm telling you, God was just so kind to us. Nice curtains, by the way. Yeah, those were those were beautiful. Um, I met the, the guy who was appointed principal, a guy named Butch Vaughn. I met him while this was even just still being built. It wasn't even done yet. And he had already decided that he knew a pastor would call at some point to meet there. He said, the first guy that calls me that isn't weird will uh, we'll let this So apparently I wasn't weird to start with. That's all I can say. I don't
0: think you're weird.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. A little bit. Um, but man, what a provision! And uh, and then Blackman Middle School for twelve years. So mm. it was about, as I said, it's
0: about six. Six too years long. too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we went from the. You started in the cafeteria, went to the auditorium. Because auditorium, we thought we were big time. And then it, it felt so overwhelming. <laughs> we went you back went to back the to cafeteria. the cafeteria. Yeah. Then back to the auditorium. Yeah, so yeah. got a little excited there. Yeah,
1: that's all right. It's
0: good. Well. For us, uh, we, were, uh, we came on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ in 1986. We were six years at Clemson University. Thank you very much. You get to say that on Sunday mornings. That's a shame. I know it. I know it. The God put us there. That was crazy. <laughs> he put me at Clemson. You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then we, uh, I was a, uh, worked in Cincinnati as the chaplain of the Cincinnati Bengals and Reds six years. Then I had transitioned for six years as the National Director of the Athletes in Action College Ministry and was going to seminary in the summers. Well, while I was at seminary, I I felt God's prompting to be a pastor as I was finishing up. And at the same time, Athletes in Action was going through some major leadership scandal struggles. And I thought, Lord, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And I remember very clearly uh, jogging down the streets of Lebanon, Ohio. The two oldest boys were, I dropped them off at Little League Baseball practice. And I was listening to some music. I actually had a cassette tape player hanging on me. That's how old I was, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you put your little cassette player in and hook it on your belt. I was running down the street sobbing, begging God to show me where to go and what to do, because I didn't know, and I thought I was going to be on staff with crew the rest of my life, and had no idea, was feeling anxious, the boys were age and Joelle was a baby, where didn't want to, you know, you don't want to move nine times during middle school and high school years, and, and uh, the next day, I got a call from a dear friend of both of ours, Jeff Schulte. had planted Fellowship Bible Church, and by the way, my son is married to his daughter now, (laughs) but we had known Jeff since 1982, and he said, man, there's this little church in Murfreesboro, told me about Monty Waldron, we knew of each other, but Mm -hmm. didn't know each other, we had met briefly summers before, and he said he's looking a teammate, and uh, to lead as Lloyd and I are leading here at Fellowship and, uh, and then the next day, I got a call from Family Life asking to do Family Life. So, it's like the Lord heard my prayers and answered immediately. I got on the phone with Jeff. I asked him how turkey hunting was here and how wrestling was here. The important thing <laughs> Yeah. <about it. laughs> so, Monty wants to pray about it. I'm like, are right, they got... Because I'm ready to go, right? I'm like, if they got turkeys and wrestling, then Monty's, Monty's my You're guy, in. right? And. Uh, And I I was familiar with fellowship. So here, just for clarity, our church gave us a going-away party, and they gave us these Tennessee shirts. So we use, yeah, I just want you to know we're not fans. And secondly, (laughs) we use those as a Christmas pick because here's the deal. Uh, We had, we were on staff with Campus Crusade. And Monty, you can tell about yours there, but we had financial supporters raise their own support. They committed to support us for two years before this church to see, to give us a chance for this church to get off the ground. So there's people, literally, North Carolina, South Carolina, all over the country paying our salary so we can come here for two years. Not only our salary, not only Monty's well. salary, yeah. but when Chad came on, Chad raised financial support. They raised, They paid his salary for two years. And Benji and Jenny Ron, who's now Jenny King. So that's phenomenal that people, that they were giving before there was ever a Fellowship Bible Church in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, by the way, lastly, I'll just close up that uh, we gave, after that picture, we gave those clothes to Goodwill. So anyway.
1: Inspiring.
0: We know they'd be used here at Fellowship, but... <laughs> But as we kicked off, Monty and I, our first book that we talked together was the book of Galatians, and if you know anything about the book of Galatians, it's about gospel liberty and freedom in Christ, and uh, we are sort of in the hotbed in the Bible belt of legalism Mm -hmm. and God used that book to start to grow us as a church spiritually Absolutely. and numerically and yeah. us individually. So in light of that, uh, enjoy the video we use to, to sort of unpack uh, the book of Galatians. 2004.
1: Man, how about that? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I love so much about that series and that season was it was so ingrained or it became ingrained into our DNA as a church. It was like it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And wouldn't it be great if there could be a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, not the only one, but, but a church here where people could come right where they were in all of their mess and find a place full of grace and mercy. Wouldn't that be a great church? So so grateful that the Lord led us to that and got us started. That, by the way, was one of Kevin Perry's many uh, bumper videos to get us started. And We found out he had a gift, he and a we gift. have
0: crushed him to use oh, that gift ever yeah, since. Right? <laughs> That's
1: beautiful. Well, along with uh, really just making our way through the scriptures, we also, uh, another part of our DNA was, and we used to say it this way, engaging our world with genuine spiritual life. So we always knew it wasn't just about us in-house. We wanted to go outside and reach our city and engage them. So one of our favorite memories was a thing we called Church Outside the Walls. And uh, our church partnered with 16 or 15 other churches. We identified 30 different sites around town, schools, schools, Public property, public housing, all of that. And those 16 churches, we all locked armed and just had a work day on Sunday. So church outside the walls. Here's a great shot of Art Snow shoveling uh, some mulch there. Um, but we had this, this little uh, buzzword, love works. And we wanted so much for our city to understand that the love of Christ actually works on behalf of them. On the benefit of a, a church is to bless a city. So that was another beautiful thing that happened um, as kind of for ministry for us as we were connecting with our city. As a result of that outreach, we connected with Oakland Courts, a public housing development, and we began sending little teams over there every week to to meet with kids for just fun, but also doing uh, after-school care and education and encouragement, all that kind of stuff. So... We want to hear you, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to hear Oakland Court talk about that season and its relationship with this church. Check this out.
2: The of Fellowship Unleashed is to, to love uh, people locally. And to reach out, and this this actually came about as a uh, our middle school students were helping out as a as a mission project in the summer, and uh, at Franklin Heights, and, and Michael approached us about helping out here at open Courts on, on a daily basis or a weekly basis, and that's really how it started. And we were like, this is a no-brainer. I Really thought God was really just putting it in our lap, and. We just thought it was a very uh, great way for our church to really come around a community and really just uh, I mean, help in any way we can, physical needs, spiritual needs, and just, just be there to love on the people and uh, and then, you know then basically let like God do the work.
0: The good thing about fellowship being here is that basically the name of your church, Fellowship. You guys have an opportunity to come into a community that really is not touched by anybody else. Uh, you guys come in and you fellowship with the kids, which gives you opportunity to, to later on
1: down the road to fellowship with the families. Since you guys have been coming, it's been a great help because what we've learned is it's hard for one person to give each child that individual attention that they need when you have so many kids and only a certain amount of hours.
2: The needs may look different, but they're really inside. Everybody just wanting to be loved and be shown that they matter. And that,
0: yeah, that someone cares about
2: them. Just having someone consistent in their lives is probably the biggest impact for them. Um, like when you come in and they
1: light up and get excited to see you and run and give you a hug. I mean, it just makes my day. You'll change their lives,
0: their families' lives. It's like a generational change. Uh, The things you can do in the community as far as letting the community know that, okay, Jesus Christ did more than just save people. He changed their lives. And he did it in a small way. It wasn't always a big miraculous way, but it was small things. And the smallest things always make a big difference. So early on in our church, uh, in the story of our church, uh, we wanted to live out, in some ways, Acts one eight that says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is local, in Judea, right, which is spreading out a little more, and we would say sort of stateside or United States, and then in Samaria, stateside, and then to the ends of the earth, and so." Uh, This was a step for us as a young and growing church uh, to do that. Part of what this did at Oakland Courts was make us visible. uh, We were invisible, and it started to make us visible to our community, to schools, to uh, people who lived here, to organizations, and uh, other churches even, as we partnership with churches like, who are you, and where are you, and here's why we were invisible. We were meeting in Blackman Middle School, and if you... How many of you have driven on Blaze Drive? Okay, Go there on a Sunday morning and see how many cars pass our sign that we had draped over the brick Blackman Middle School sign. Two. Two cars every Sunday morning. So no one knew we were there. I'm I'm stunned still that we actually have new people coming Uh because uh, there was no way to identify us. We worked hard to put that sign up every Sunday. Sunday morning for <laughs> four sets of eyeballs, right? So <laughs> amazing, but we were Lord, bring the four sets of eyeballs yeah. you want for us this morning. He so, did it. Uh, in light of that, though, uh, we continue to uh, we continued to just try to be faithful to what God calls the church to do, hmm. and in doing that, uh, we did a, a Missio Day series on the mission of God. Two thousand eight, we talked through Psalms and Ruth and Esther. In 2009, we, we might want to revisit that one again. and we, we, we might bring that one back from the dead. Church DNA, uh, what is a church? First uh, and Second Peter, we did a series in Luke 15, the prodigal mm. God. Yeah. Uh, we did a wisdom series teaching through the book of Proverbs uh, and, uh, and James. Uh, did Church Outside the Walls again, 2011, yeah. 2000, 2010, 2011. Uh, one of the fun things we we took a whole year and talked through the whole Bible, sort of the story arc from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. to give us some context. So that was really fun. Some of you remember that? Anybody here? We all here for that? Okay, good. And uh, and then I think uh, uh, maybe a culmination of, of one of the series we did was one on generosity. Biblical generosity, even back then, trying to create this culture, this this deep-seated culture of generosity in our church, uh, where we talk about how we give away our time, talent, truth, and treasure for the mission of God. In doing so, I came out of a casket one Sunday morning. <laughs> Y'all would have loved to see that. Maybe we can, I really did. I was in a casket and was talking to people like I was... Lord, I'm here. You know, then I came out. Resurrection. <laughs> I'm the only pastor on this staff to resurrect from wow. the dead. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, but we ended that series uh, with uh, shock. Uh, uh, shock and uh, awe. Yeah, with shock and awe. Some people were <laughs> excited. Some people were mad. Some Most were confused because <laughs> we ended that series by this thing called Souls for Souls. S-O-L-E-S Jesus. for S-O-U-L-S, and here's what it looked like. They Everybody left and dropped their shoes off. They didn't have to, but they would feel some shame if they didn't. <laughs> so so we have people walking through the parking lot on a cold morning, bare feet or with socks on, yeah. and we piled our shoes up and we gave them away to an evangelistic organization that gives shoes away and shares the gospel. Yeah. And I I'm still. I'm glad I did, but let me just tell you, I'm sad because those were $200 boots that were given to me mm. by now uh, by former Cincinnati Bengal David Klingler, and they were like a glove. I could not have afforded them myself, and I gave them. I sort of wish I hadn't, but <laughs> I'm trusting God's ne- gonna.
1: Never mind that poor person. Yeah, I'm just in trying to be transparent. Country.
0: I want to be transparent. Done that? Walking yeah. around. They got some boots now. So they got some good ones and they better enjoy it. So <laughs> anyway, it was it was so fun, huh. and uh, we uh, we kept doing church. We had the A-team humming along. The A-team was the first to arrive and the last, last to, to leave. leave. Yeah. Setting up church every morning. They just didn't get to come in and sit in cushioned chairs like you do, okay? <laughs> and um, the yeah, they set the whole thing up. It was crazy. People was pouring sweat, changing mm. shirts. Mm. But then we got a phone call. We did. We did. I got called to the principal's office. Mm. Was that your first time?
1: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. Wouldn't have been my first time. (laughs) Uh, There was a a great guy. We had a great relationship with Blackman Middle, um, a guy named Will Shelton. And uh, every once in a while, I was kind of his contact. So if there was anything, like if we messed up a a classroom or did something, he'd say, hey, Monty, i got to talk to you about something. Anyway, so he calls me in and sits me down and says, hey, how long have you guys been here? He said, well, Will, I think it's been about 10 years at that point. Mm. And he said, you know what? I think that's long enough. So we're going to give you a year, and you're going to have to find someplace else to
0: meet. Mm. So
1: it was just the nudge we needed.
0: If you've ever had anxiety, that's a <laughs> that's time for you to have anxiety as a pastor. Yeah,
1: we, we didn't have any money saved up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were still just kind of getting by and week to week, month to month. Mm. But uh, man, it was, it was really good because it did nudge us to think about where is God taking us and, and can we land in a place somewhere in this city where we have a, a kind of a permanent home base and then we can do ministry from that place. So that set in motion a search we began to look for land and... Um, Gosh, we looked all over the place, didn't we? we There's were, some
0: places we don't want to tell you that yeah. we looked that you would think you even considered. Yeah, what a, were you thinking? Uh, um,
1: but let, let me just very quickly tell you the story about this piece of property that mm. we're on. Years earlier, maybe decades earlier, there was a family that owned all of this property, veterans' Parkway was a little two-lane road, just kind of going up into the woods. And there was no Kroger. No, there was no. Which means there was there no, were no sushi. Yeah, there okay. was nothing. Um, so this family sold, I, I can't remember what the total acres were, but they sold it to a church, um, Family Worship Center. They sold it to that church, and they had they had one stipulation. You either have to build on this property, or you can sell it only... To a school or a church. So here we come along years later, and um, that church was really moving kind of in the northeastern uh, Murfreesboro. That was kind of their place. So it just didn't make sense for them to think about building something out here. I was connected with their pastor, and we said, We don't need, I think it was 40 or 50 acres maybe total, but I was like, We only need, you know, 10, 15, 20, something like that. They sold us 16 acres for twenty-five thousand dollars an acre,
0: and that was a green light. You do know on the corner is probably a million an acre Uh, right now. So, you wanna sell? No. Okay, just kidding. So, uh,
1: so you know, like the whole theme of this morning is God has been our help. And that was just such a provision for us. That's, that's a view from the woods. Mm. So that's what, that's what it used to If we were right over here looking this way, looking to the north, that's mm. what you would have seen. And uh, the Lord gave us this little patch of ground, and we, we came to know it as common ground for connected lives. Mm. That's, that's really been our heart, and we believe that's God's heart for this property. Uh, check out this video. This was how we talked about moving this direction, a big step of faith for our church, but God really showed up. Check this out. One of the first questions people ask is, where are you meeting? They're usually surprised when I tell them that nothing has started up yet except we're building relationships in the community. I'm reminded often of how little the church is about land and facilities and how much it's about people. At the same time, facilities, if used well, can enhance our ability to meet serve and equip folks in this community. Lord, would you be pleased to give us a strategically placed piece of property where we can establish another beachhead for your kingdom? First group of people, that core group. We were complete strangers. We didn't know each other, but we had a common desire to establish
0: a worshiping community of influence. God has been gracious to us beyond what we can even think or describe to give us a place like Blackman Middle School to do church in. Brand new school, just a great fit for us. Uh, but we never dreamed that blackwood Middle School would be the end.
1: I was honestly shocked when I read for the first time those words that I had written in just the first couple of months that we were here about a future facility. But then I will never forget sharing those same words with our church when we were announcing being able to purchase a piece of property for the first time. And it was awesome. And then now that property has become a tangible expression of the common ground that that first group of strangers had prayed for and dreamed
0: about, hoped for and and planned for. What we want to do is to find common ground or cultivate common ground with each other in ways that's life-giving. Secondly, we want to share common ground uh with our community that our facility and place would be just an incredible place for them to use that god's given us but we get to share with them and thirdly we want to be equipped to find common ground with people who are far from god with people who really don't they don't understand the gospel
1: this property is common ground that is anything but common and it's anything but common because of who it's for. As we have prayerfully planned for the last two years, we've had all of the people in mind that could be impacted by this property. And it's been really fun to hear people talk about the impact that this church has had on their lives in the past. And it's really helping us have some vision for how this church can impact people
0: in the future. This will be our 14th year of marriage, and we've been at fellowship for seven or eight, so, you know, a little more than half our married life. We arrived at a time maybe when we were um, a little spiritually indifferent.
2: We felt loved and cared for regardless of our situation, and we've had many close encounters with God uh, through this time, and I felt blessed to have been given opportunities to love others. I think that as a church, we do a lot of things well, but we love best. And that love has led to a lot of life change. You know, God was gracious and he provided um, an environment and fellowship where people met
0: us where we were, but called us to more. Love that. My goodness. Uh, Uh... I'm just stunned seeing that again. That was great stuff. I think um, when we we came here, the Lord provided the land, and we built this facility. And we built this facility uh, because of, you know, just lack of funds, first time having to go through appraisals, and how do you do all that? We, we narrowed this down to uh, smaller than the original plans. Obviously, we're expanding now, but... Uh, The one thing we said over and over, we wanted this facility, this new home for us to be a a custom tool for the mission. And uh, as I thought about, uh, and and in some ways there was some real honest, healthy fear uh, that this would just be a building on Sunday morning and not be used during the week. And, And we hated that. That made us nauseated to think about uh, a facility that wasn't being used. And so uh, we wanted this, tool to, uh, this building to be a custom tool for the mission. And as I looked at that, I thought, man, has it been? Regen, our uh, recovery program here, uh, stepping stones for homeless mothers, mm-hmm. small groups, too many to state, equipping classes, women retreats, men's fraternity, Fellowship Student Ministries, Embrace Grace for Mothers with Unexpected Pregnancies, Connecting Groups, the Borough, our Children's Ministry, Funerals, Weddings, Baby Showers, Blackman Athletic uh, Award Banquets to our community, Mm -hmm. Homeschooling every week that meets here, Discipleship for Men um, on Saturday mornings that just got out of prison, Uh, fall fellowships, and obviously uh, our worship gathering, the list could go on. Literally, this place is there's not a day on the calendar that it's not used Mm -hmm. by somebody for something. Isn't that awesome? And that has been so encouraging. Yes, it has. Yeah. So we, uh, we were growing as a church as we moved here. We were changing, and changing is good and healthy for churches. Uh, Churches can get stagnant, and we don't want to get stagnant. Uh, But what we realized was we were, there needed to be some clarity around our mission and our vision and our values. If we were going to move forward as a church, clarity brings effectiveness and efficiency, and we were lacking in some clarity. We were. I don't know that I realized it as... Oh, I knew it. You probably did.
1: Um, we did, we called a friend of ours, uh, there's a group called Oxano, and there's a guy in town named Brian Rose, and he basically meets with churches, he's a consultant, and uh, we just said, hey, we, we are really growing, we are really changing, we want to be effective with the mission, so help us out. And he said, okay, I got a little exercise for you. So we got all of our staff in the room, and he said, I want everybody to write down the mission statement. And so everybody's sort of like, Okay, so everybody wrote them down. we started reading them, I and it was we interesting..: paraphrased it. <laughs> Yeah, none of the mission statements were the same. Yeah. So that's probably not a great mission statement. I wrote it when I came here, and, uh, and it made perfect sense to me, but we saw that it was harder and harder for people to really have that, like on the tip of their tongue and then to be able to live out. So we went through this great exercise of thinking about those things that are core to how we talk about who we are. So we weren't changing who we are, we just wanted to talk more clearly about it. And so you can see here, that's when we uh, uh, wrote this mission statement, cultivating connected followers of Christ. And then uh, there's our values, together is better, what you see is what you get, Um, a long obedience in the same direction, we're Mm -hmm. celebrating that today, and then life change is a way of life. And all of that kind of makes its way into this thing we call a portrait of a connected life and uh, really the portrait is a person this is our strategy for growing as people and as a church we talk about it all the time and our hope is that that all of us would kind of see that as a great template for how we do life and all of the connections that God would have us uh, make now when we think about the portrait of a connected life the connected life is really the fruit of resurrection life And um, I remember us doing a series a while back where we talked about the resurrection as a linchpin. Mm -hmm. And then even uh, as recently as last year, as we celebrated Easter, we actually invited you, a few of you, to talk about this idea of resurrection life and what that meant to you. So here's, uh, here's a couple of statements from some folks in our body about resurrection life.
0: Without the resurrection.
3: Without the resurrection, my diagnosis of stage four cancer would have be been devastating.
0: Struggle for acceptance,
3: control. Without the resurrection, my sins are not forgiven, and I do not have eternal life. I would be worried and have a lot of anxiety about our future,
1: specifically about my children's future. But because of the
0: resurrection.
2: Because of the resurrection? Because of the
0: resurrection. I was able to find
2: peace and comfort in the arms of Jesus. I found refuge in Jesus. Because of the resurrection, I am sure that my sins will be forgiven. It makes all things new and gives us the desire and the power to become like Him. My
1: marriage has been restored and I get to walk free of the shame of all of my failures.
3: I am free to be me. I'm a mess and He delights in me, no matter how many times I fall short. I have been first reconciled to God. Who has, in spite of my mess, graciously reconciled my marriage and has held my family together. I have seen my marriage made new. Not only is there not despair, but I have great hope.
2: Because of the resurrection, we can have hope in seasons that feel
3: hopeless. Romans 8, 11. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. Lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, just as God he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life. He will give life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit. The same spirit, the same spirit. Living within you. Within you. Within you.
0: Wow. Well you you know this. What I'm about to say. Uh, but it's worth repeating. And our theme this morning in this 20 years that 20 year celebration is that God has been our help, but He, he would not have been our help without this, the resurrection. Amen. It is the linchpin of all other helps that He is to His people. Hmm. And um, the, the resurrection, the truth that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose from the dead, Requires every Christ follower to follower to ask this question: How do you and I continue to make room for the mission of God? It is a required question that must be asked and it must be answered. Mm -hmm. And so, just recently, last year, we started what we call this Deep Roots campaign, if you would, this Mm -hmm. Deep Roots series. And we were asking and answering that very question because of the resurrection. How are we making room for the mission of God in our lives? And we mean comprehensively. So spiritually speaking, uh, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. And from that, I think God did some real sweet work here Mm -hmm. for us to, to really look at um, am I making room for the mission of God in my life? Matter of fact, I'd put it even another way. Am I making my life about God and his mission and his church? Yeah. Does my life revolve around that? Yesterday at the Fall Fellowship, I actually thought to myself, what a, what a good gift, grace of God and mercy of God that our family's life for 34 years has revolved around the people of God, and the church of God, Mm-mm. and the mission of God. I am truly changed yeah, me too. by having that um, be the core of our life, of what we say yes to, what we say no to. And then tangibly speaking, you can see as we do construction physically, we're literally making room for the mission of God. Uh, and only the Lord knew we would me- need, I mean, we're full of, but we in 2020, it screams, "You need more room, yeah. uh, even if you weren't full." Yeah. So uh, the beautiful progress that is going on uh, back there, and how God will continue to to uh, to give us the space and this custom tool to continue about uh, the very mission of God. So, uh, man, it's been very encouraging. It has
1: been. It has been. Um, as we have kind of gone through this story, and even as you're telling that story and thinking about this most recent uh, initiative that we have taken. Um, one of the concerns I have heard for 20 years as a pastor f- from just you know anybody who's in the church, because we've all had good and bad experiences in the church, but there's always just this little bit of suspicion like, why do we do what we do and what is there some kind of agenda or anything going on behind the scenes? Those kinds of questions can pop up. and. I just always love reminders that we really are going after the mission, and I want you to know, we want you to know that as leaders, we're asking the very same question that we're asking you to ask. We're saying, Lord, as a church, how do you want us as a church to make room for your mission? Not just with a a facility, but with our schedules, with our priorities, everything that we do. So um, even going into this weekend where we're celebrating 20 years of God's faithfulness, uh, the idea came up in our staff team. It was like, is there anything that we could do, and, and we've been talking about this in our spiritual gift series, is there anything that we can do to give away what was given to us? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, mm-hmm. but when this church was planted, remember I, I told you that Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock and Fellowship Bible Church in Nashville Both of those churches really came alongside us to help us get started in countless ways. But one of the things both of those churches did is they wrote us a check. Mm. And the guys in Nashville specifically, I remember sitting down with Jeff Schulte and him looking me in the eye and he said, hey, we're going to write you this check and we expect that you're going to have an opportunity to do the very same thing someday and we want you to do it. Mm. So... We started thinking about, what can we do? What can we do? And we were praying, Lord, show us kind of what, what's just a beautiful expression of gratitude for us. And uh, I got a message from Matt and Tori Angel. They're in Uganda. You guys have probably heard their story. Yeah, like story. a few
0: days after. Just two days. Yeah. Right yeah. after that prayer. God answered mine in one day before. How about that? <laughs> um,
1: angels in Africa. They sent me a message on Facebook, and they just said, hey, we're so excited about a new opportunity. Our pastor, and Pastor Daniel, um, he is trying to build a new facility for his church, and uh, so we're just in the process. We're just trying to figure out how we're going to pay for it and just hoping that the Lord will provide in a sweet way. And I was like, hey, I think that's an answer. So I got to call Matt and Tori Angel and share with them that we're going to help fund that facility in Uganda. And I want you to hear the call. So here it is.
2: Uh, So um, there's a a pastor that I work with at the school. His name is uh, Pastor Daniel. He, uh, Honestly, he's he's one of only a handful of solid pastors that I've ever come across in Uganda. And we've met a lot. (laughs) Um, and he realizes the, the false gospel that's common here, the prosperity gospel, and he's mm. constantly fighting against that. But there's, there's not a whole lot of good churches. They're mostly mm. terrible. And so he's had a heart for a while now to plant a church in his home village. Uh, so the last six years, he's been building a house there because here, you, when you get a little bit of money, you buy a little bit of bricks Yep. And you, you build one level, you know, and by one level, I mean one level of bricks um, at a time. Wow. And so for six years, they've been working on it. Um, we're now helping them finish their house. Okay. And so pretty much everything's done, except they need to put some furniture in. It. So that's beautiful. Uh, so they're about to transition to the village. And at the same time, their heart has been to start this church. <laughs> they've run out of room and they bought some land. Um, collected some money through some some people and, and bought some land for like twenty seven hundred dollars. It'll be the only Bible teaching church probably within ten square miles. And so, um, yeah. So they've got bigger plans than just the two rooms, but that's what we're starting with. And that's then, awesome. And then, as 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 opportunity arises and money comes in and, and people partner with us, then you with him. Then then we'll add as as the Lord makes available.
3: Well, let me let me tell you guys something, because God has been at work. Um, you just said a little while ago, we're celebrating 20 years this year. Yeah. And so 20 years, Kimberly and I were at Dallas Seminary trying to figure out where to go. And, of course, Fellowship Bible Church had planted uh, a church in the Brentwood Franklin area three years before I graduated. And the guys there pointed me to Murfreesboro and said, Hey, there's this little town down the road, it's growing like crazy. Be great to have a sister church there. So we came and visited and drove around and prayed and just felt like what a great place. You know, we, we could spend the rest of our lives there and do ministry. And and here we are 20 years later. But those two churches invested in us. And one of the things they said to us at that time is, we expect that there are going to be opportunities for you down the road to do the very same thing for someone else. Mm -hmm. So as we thought about celebrating God's goodness to us for 20 years this weekend, we honestly wanted to find a way to give away what was given to us at the very same time. Mm -hmm. And so um, literally, I was praying two days ago, and then I saw your message back to me about the pastor and the church. Oh, my we God. huddled as an elder team, and we're going to send $10,000 wow. for the construction of another part of that church.
2: Praise God. So Fantastic. We're,
3: we're so excited for you guys and so grateful for your ministry. And god is doing a beautiful thing there and we are wow. so humbled and honored and we're just blown away that we get to be a little part of it so oh,
2: that's so good so beautiful <laughs> I can't so the right now i <laughs> <so beautiful. laughs> just give you the plans today yeah you show me the plans I, today. Haven't even,
0: I haven't even seen this like this is all so new uh, yeah all we yeah. do are i don't know all we're doing is that long obedience, right? Like we just. Absolutely. The doors that God is opening, and. Yep. Even though yep. ministries not look like the way we thought it would. Yeah. It's so amazing this year. Yeah, it's
2: been yeah. it's, in spite of everything, it has been, absolutely beautiful year, um, and and God's fingerprints all over it, and blessing and uh, ministry, uh, it's it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, Isn't that you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, is that good? Man, is it fun to be a part of the mission of God? It is. It is really good. Uh, God has been our
1: help. That's what we've been celebrating this morning. He has been so good to us, and he has invited us again and again and again and again to join him in his good work. So our hope is this morning, I know it's been a little bit different, but what we've been doing is we've been piling up stones, little Ebenezer's, to remind us that God has been our help so that we'll be ready for everything that he has ahead of us for the next 20 years or longer, if he will. So I hope you've been so encouraged. Um, We're going to finish in worship and we're going to finish praying, asking God to continue to lead us. But thank you for uh, just kind of joining us on this journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, what a blessing. So let's worship. Amen. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you.